0: Yeah. And you can enjoy life better when you can be yourself. you just and, able to breathe. Like, you ain't got a front. Don't yes. To- don't have to be flotting, <laughs> Like That's too much
1: energy to be doing all that anyway. <laughs> you know what the downside of all this social media is that the people feel like they have to always be this perfect, the good light, the right angle have the, the right clothes <laughs> and the right car. And I'm, I'd be like, uh oh, I'm in my truck. And my truck got a scrape in the roof. And, <laughs> that's, what am I going to do? Fix my roof to talk to y'all? No, I'm not. It's time to start a show and educate the people. Oh,
2: oh. It's time to help you see just how you can Just how you can. You can be financially free.
0: Welcome back to Financially Free with Cleo podcast. I am your host, Cleo Childress, and this is a show to help you live financially free in your own way. And today we have a very, very special guest. She is a phenomenal host, a carpenter, y'all. Like, don't let the beauty fool you now. Okay, because she has the skills to build. She is an amazing mom, and I'm so happy that she is taking the time out to talk to us today. So I want you to welcome Yananda Lewis to the Hello. show. Hi, Cleo. <laughs> How are you doing today? How is your week
1: going? It's you know what? Wait, so honest or <laughs> I <don't> am <laughs> the honest girl, the real. Okay. Oh, <laughs> the real is. We jump right into the real is I started a new medication two weeks ago, trying to do some uh, more mainstream stuff, mainstream mm-hmm. stuff, as I you know, manage this kind of cancer situation. Yeah. And uh, it made me f- so physically ill for the last three days that I quit yesterday. I was like, this is exactly why I don't take meds, because to do what it is you want it to do, it messes you up in five different ways. It is the most insane thing. And my philosophy fundamentally is always that the body will heal itself when you give it what it needs or take away what's preventing it from healing. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't a departure from that philosophy, but this was an inclusion and understanding that what I'm dealing with is major and I might need more help. Although I'm going in the right direction, I wanted to accelerate things if I could. And I was like, oh, 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 do you want me to learn this lesson? God, okay, <laughs> I'm clear. I am never taking that again. My body, exactly. oh my God in the most pain I've been in since labor and delivery and I did a home birth so there were no drugs involved and I was in pain and for three days I was like writhing in my bed my head has been pounding today is literally the first day I feel like semi-normal again and I actually feel really good I have enough energy I've been drinking my electrolytes like and for me someone who's really healthy you know relatively (laughs) other than breast cancer. I'm really healthy. Um, but like I have a healthy diet and I do everything I need to do. Right. And it's working. I've gone from a stage three to a stage two. It's great to hit this row bump with medications. I was like, oh, it was such a lesson and and really a gift, um, mm-hmm. disguised in pain <laughs> because now I I'm very clear for myself, um, the direction I need to stay in. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. It was a trip, bro. So I'm happy I feel really good today to talk to you. I did not want to cancel because we've done this rescheduling thing already. And I'm <laughs> I could be here. So well,
0: That's I cool. definitely appreciate <laughs> it because I know you know life is can get crazy. And yeah. just like what you explained to us what's going on, that could have been a good excuse, a good reason right. to reschedule we'll it or change it. But I definitely appreciate you still making the time for it. And I feel like this conversation would be good nurturing of the mind for both of us. Yeah, I agree. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. So I would love to start with, of course, I'm going to come back to uh, the breast cancer experience, of course, but I want to start back through your childhood. So of course, this is Financially Free with Cleo. So I always like to find out how people learned about money growing up. Did your family talk to you about money or wasn't it till you became an adult and really learned about money management?
1: That's weird. I literally have never one been asked that question and two really thought about it. Let me see. I mean, I have really early memories of (laughs) I have early memories of being in my grandma's. I don't know what year it was, but it was a big, solid, brown Imperial, right? Like a (laughs) tank. She drove a little (laughs) tank car. And um, I remember my sister and I being in the back seat, and they had the, the long, and are, are they bucket seats? I don't know, but they're this mm-hmm. the long, flat bench seat, right? <laughs> no yeah. curves, no nut. It's one long seat. And we used to be able to pull that seat up, and underneath, there's this, you know, just empty seat area, and there was always money under there. There was always coins. And I think it was because my grandma would give people rides a lot, and the seats were so dipped, their pockets would empty out into mm-hmm. the seat. <laughs> and we always found money. So we would ride with my grandma to she, Um my grandma raised me for my younger years, right? I was um with my mom. Uh when she and my dad divorced, I was about three. And then she tried on her own, but in the early 70s, two kids and a single mom, she just it was impossible for her. And she came home to my grandmother's home where she was raised to get help. Like most uh, many single moms do when they're lucky enough to have someone who will receive them and their children. Um, And so, my grandma did a lot of the mothering, right? Nurturing mothering. My mom had kind of departed for a little while and came back and forth. My dad was still out of the picture pretty predominantly. Uh, and so my we were always with my grandma before we were in school all day and stuff. So this was during that time. And we would always go with her to collect her rent because my grandmother had been a business owner her whole life. I mean, her whole adult life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she and my grandfather had one of the very first grocery stores in San Diego owned by black people. And they catered to the black community, gave, you know, credits, helped people get food, help moms. Like she was really a, a pivotal member of the community and a helpful member of the community. So she owned properties and we would go around and collect rents. Right. And I think this was at the time where she would rented that store and was collecting rent from there because we were parked right outside the store and we would take that money and go right to the, the little uh ice cream truck that was always nearby mm-hmm. and buy it up you know she would leave us in the car all these things that you cannot do now you can't leave kids right. in the car. um so but but then it was you know fine the windows were down she would leave us in the car i mean for we got left in the car for a long time with both my grandma and my mom so it was just how it was but we would go run to the get yeah, um the ice cream truck even though she told us don't get out of the car we wouldn't listen. We went to the ice cream truck, would buy all the um, candy we wanted, and then come back eat it before she would come back to the car and then sit there like, "Woo, woo!" We've been just listening to the radio, and then she would come back and say, "Oh, you guys have been sitting so nicely. Let's go get some ice cream from the ice cream truck." More ice cream. I would, my stomach would be like, "Oh God, I don't think I want any, Grandma. Are you sure?" Oh, my gosh. So that was my first memory with, like, money getting me something I wanted, right? And mm-hmm. and it was very um, sneaky, too, and secretive. So now that I think about it, sneaky. <laughs> I still have some of those habits, don't I? Let me think. Yes, I do. Um, yeah. yeah, That's interesting, because it definitely comes from there. But I also remember when my grandma kind of finally, after years of having us, and she and my mom had conflicts over religious stuff, and she finally kicked us out of her house, and I was probably like eight or nine. And I remember like, now my mom had this struggle of, you know, paying her a rent and we found an apartment eventually, but we stayed in the car a few nights and we were at friends' houses. I mean, we kind of floated around for a minute till she stabilized and she worked, you know, two jobs. And I remember standing in the, um, the checkout of the grocery store. Wow. This is making me emotional. I don't know why. Hold on. Oh, okay. Yeah. I get I understand. I understand why. But so she was standing in line at the grocery store. And I remember her stress of writing a check and the cashier telling her it didn't clear. And she panicked. Like, I remember feeling her panic, like energetically feeling her panic. Like, and it reminds me that our children can feel that. Right. And and I remember getting upset along with her. And she was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and we ended up putting back you know, some of the groceries and then whatever she could afford we got. But I that was my first experience feeling panicked about money, right? Because I knew it was because she didn't have enough.
0: Right. That's one of the scariest feelings. I just know that from growing up with my mom experiencing something similar. And just yes. me being, I have a daughter. She's 18 years old now. But- what? When you know, I was a teen mom. I got pregnant at seventeen, so I struggled with money early on in my adult life. So I've been there. I know how that feels. And you're right, kids. We 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 pick up on things. We notice things. And I know <laughs> my daughter noticed things when I was an adult and struggling. They hear things. They feel things. Right. And I think sometimes we can underestimate it takes
2: you fairly. Yeah, <laughs> right,
0: yeah. We can. <laughs> We underestimate, you know, how kids can sense things and feel things. And they, they see I, and hear it all, even if we don't know. think they're paying attention.
1: <laughs> they that do. is such a great message for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I feel like I'm a really good mom considering how my son is, right? But there's still moments that no matter how good of a job you think you've done, there's still those insecurities like, oh, but I said this that time, or I, I went off on him like this that time, or I yelled at him about this that time, or you know, I blamed him for this. And, and I remember how it felt for me, although I used to get my ass whooped. So he's never had that experience. It, he going to still be a lot better off. Um, but I know that it makes me more aware and, and a little mildly paranoid, you know, like, Oh no, I messed him <laughs> up. But I don't think I have. I just think I'm hyperly aware of it, which that mm-hmm. can be damn bad.
0: Oh yeah. Like I, it's, it's like a mother's job. It's like, it's, you're never going to know everything. Right. When I was younger, I felt like, oh, I don't know this. I don't know that. And I'm like, what mom really
1: knows everything, you know, manual. And now literally I understand my mom's life better trying to raise us now because I didn't come with a manual either. And I was like a, I won't say I was a bad kid, but but I was a bad kid. (laughs) I was pretty bad. I was bad in that. I was, I had a really, um, bad habit of uh, because my mom was uh, she has a very different personality than me i have this like strong robust i'll confront whatever like i'm rah rah when you know i can be calm too but it's not often um and my mom's just very calm and soft and quiet and so i would just run right over her because she wouldn't say nothing to me so i'd be like oh bad, bad, you know I, oh my god my mouth <laughs> was so bad i had to to her i was like i had no idea until mm. i became a mom what and because and into and until more recently I became a single mom, I had no idea the stress and yeah. the and the worry and the oh the I mean, it is it's really amazing to look back at and recognize everything she was able to do. Home ownership, right. holding down jobs, still mm-hmm. making sure we she helped me with my college applications, like all these fundamentally important things she did. Now there were ways she fell short too, like we all do, right? But I was. More focused on the way she fell short than the way she succeeded until more recently in my life, in the last you know eleven years of being a mom, and now I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I appreciate you.
0: You know exactly. Oh. Like once you become a mom, you start to realize things from when you was a kid. Like, ooh, I put my mama through some stuff. <laughs> Do it. She still loves me. <laughs> right through it all, they still love us. Ooh. So does your son take after your personality or is it more like your mom or just someone else in the family? Um,
1: He's so his own person, but he's yeah. he takes after me in a lot of ways I mean he's I was a really smart kid. I think really smart kids are even harder because they're smart so they can think around all the rules and figure stuff out but back then we didn't have cell phones and you know barely a house phone so I could get his getaway with murder. nobody would ever know now he got a, a rope around his wrist I'm like come back here <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it's really yeah, yeah. it's really harder even though you're he's a smart kid. it's much harder to get around and because I know all the tricks from having yeah. circumvented them as a child um he just has no wiggle room i gotta give him a little more wiggle room but he's he's a great he's a good um young man and i really have confidence that he'll be a, a really great man one day so i'm proud of that
0: yes yes it's like that's, our, that's the best thing that we can do is do our best as moms and yeah. you know hope that our kids can do. you know Listen to our advice and you know, listen to what we have to say. You know, sometimes they don't listen and sometimes they do listen.
1: <laughs> now and then they do. Right. Yeah. But might- come back and say, like he did to me about some health thing I was telling him about. He was like, I really do feel better today after sleeping long enough. Like, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Cause we're I not trying to do stuff with no sleep. Time. That's gonna catch Even up possible- with you. oh man. It's really going to catch up with you. And, you know, I think it's important to me just based on my health struggles right now or journey, really, because well, it hasn't been that much of a struggle. Um, but I, it's important to me that he understands how to take care of himself from earlier on than I did, because mm-hmm. this is preventable. Right. And he even though he's not a girl, he does have a higher predisposition, even for the, the male cancers, just in terms of the genetic predisposition that generally exists, even though they haven't found any genetic. Um, connections and me yet. So I just like to be, you know, safer than sorry.
0: Oh, yes. Most definitely. The best thing we can do is just to guide our kids and hope that they do well, of course, especially with everything that we've been through. Um, But I know you said your mom helped you with your applications going to college, right? (laughs) So (laughs) once you got to college, I know that that's around the time when you you know, got into like media and hosting, like with the
1: Teen Summit, right? Yeah, so, right after college, actually. I right went through all college that. with that. Actually, college was when I got exposed to um per- performance work. So okay. by that, I mean, I did like my first music video in college and it was a fluke. I was dropping a friend off to go audition and she, I think she forgot something in the car and I, I grabbed it and ran in to give it to her. And the guy at the door was like, are you here for the audition? I was like, no, my friend just went in. She forgot this. And he was like, you should be here for the audition. And I was like, I don't want to be here for the audition. Can you just find her, and give this to her, please? And it went like that. And he was like, you know, you can go in and give it to her. And when I walked in, the T- whoever the casting agents I guess were in there mm-hmm. you should audition and then they told me how much it was paying and I was like you know what I think I'll audition <laughs> and right. that was my video and I think Carl wow. Martin who I'd love to this day he's a wonderful being um mm-hmm. he picked me like picked me he was like her right there and then that's how that video happened so it's like you know you're led to the right places somehow but but so that's the first time I had that experience, even though I went to a performing arts school where I had the, not really the training for that, but just training of like self-confidence and being on a stage. And that helped me with all the hosting I had ended up doing anyway, yeah. and doing too. I didn't make that connection because it wasn't what I was trying to do, but right, what I ended up doing. So that's great. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's crazy how certain experiences or being at the right place at the right time, pushes us into opportunities that we didn't think that we were going to do. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, You're like, yeah. okay. Right. So it's like when you first, you know, auditioned for, you know, Teen Summit, did you already have connections or did you,
1: how did you find out about an opportunity like that? Well, you know what? You said connections and I shook my head and then I was like, wait, I already knew Malik Yoba. We were really okay. good friends when I was in college or late college, almost graduating doing youth work because he was doing youth work. So we met and connected on the youth work level. Um, and he came and talked to the kids that I was doing a program with that summer that I graduated. And then I traveled with him to Brazil to do a youth work program there. Like we did a lot of, we did some good work together. And I think he knew people at Teen Summit. And so I've heard that, you know, 20 years later, you hear what the real story is. I thought I just went in and got picked, right? I was like, I look what I did. <laughs> Come to find out. I think because of the youth, the youth work he and I did, and kind of he understood my passion for young people. Um, I and he was, you know, famous really at the time doing New Jack City. I think uh, was that New Jack City? No,
0: what New York uh, Undercover? Yeah, I was going to say that New York okay. Undercover, right? Right, New York
1: right? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, so I think he knew people at uh, BET and had maybe mentioned my name. But then my friend, who was a friend of a friend at the time, um, Keith Lawson, actually worked at BET and knew through this person. We knew mutually that he um, that I did youth work. And uh, at that time, Keith and I were actually direct friends. Right. We just met mm-hmm. through different people. Um, and he was like, you really should come and audition for this show. I mean, you're doing this work anyhow, just not on TV. And I was like, really, how much does it pay? <laughs> That's always my question. Like, I okay. uh, that makes make money. So yeah. I had been um, paid. It's funny how I get bribed a lot in life. I had been bribed by my family. They are going to hate when they hear this to uh-huh. law school. Right. And I did not want to. I knew law school was not my path, even though now I think I would have made a really good lawyer.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: at the time, I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. I really wanted to teach. But there was really no money in teaching and I had all these kind of lofty goals, starting these profits, doing all this work. And I knew I needed to make money. I don't have expensive taste for myself. Like. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a jewelry girl or a car. I don't care. Like I don't do labels. Right. It doesn't matter to me, but I really have ideas that I think take a lot of money to create. So I wanted to do something that I was going to have income from. And I mean, just in general paying bills every month, I needed a job. I just graduated college, did not have a job lined up. This was my last job, this summer gig with the kids. And then this audition for Teen summit came up. So I was like, can I pay my rent with it? How much are they pay it? And he told me the range and I was like, yeah, I think I'll go. to that." (laughs) And so um, I also my passion for kids also inspired me to go. But the kids that I was working with were the ones who were like, listen, you've been sitting here all summer talking about how, you know, the the life shows up for you and God shows up for you and and paves the way. And it's your job to walk it. Right. So now you're getting a a, a paved road and you're not going to walk it. You're a hypocrite that's the worst thing you can call me. And I was like, ah, I gotta go now. "Ah, The kids, if it wasn't for those meddling kids. They're going to let you know every time. And and they were real. Like these kids were real. You know, I was in (laughs) DC at the time. These kids were not playing with me. They were like, look, you a Bama if you don't go. (laughs) So I went ahead and went and like the rest is really, already written, you know, it was history now and, um, I'm really grateful for it. Cause I never would have chosen that for myself. I never would have chosen any of that for myself.
0: Yeah. And once that whole run came to an end? Like, was it, was it hard, you know, moving on to the next opportunity?
1: Um, no, I, I really am always kind of in the moment looking ahead, <laughs> which now I feel like maybe I should just be in the moment because maybe I'll like really maximize and appreciate the moment more. So I right. try to do that more now, but you know, as a twenty-something-year-old, I was like, "Next, next, next, let's go!" And um, <laughs> I had a great time. Teen Summer was my favorite job still on TV, and I think we accomplished so much. We we helped so many people. We started so many conversations. We made conversations with young people so accessible, and I'm really proud of the work we did there. And for me. Um, it was really kind of harder work than I expected because I was hired as a producer and a host. Great thing was I got to learn production, which was, you know, phenomenal. Um, But at the time, you know, BT is known for their low pay. So I was like, this is too hard work for me to be working like this. You know, they had me walk to work one time in the snow because they wouldn't let me, I was like, what is happening? (laughs) So yeah, as much as I loved it, I think I was, less like like with my mother i was less focused on the good parts and more focused on the bad parts unfortunately that's on me uh-huh. and so i was like let me move on and <laughs> somebody told me um tv was hiring can't remember who told me that was it jeru i can't remember um Cause it was a hundred years ago, but they told me <laughs> MTV, maybe they called me direct. I don't know. But I remember I had to put a reel together mm-hmm. and a reel being put together at that time was not you jumping your iMovie movie with your clips and hook it up. It was go into the edit bay, which is a huge room with big old TVs <laughs> with cellulose tape. And when you you stop the tape and cut it and tape it and put. So I went through the editing process. It took me like a week and a half, two weeks. Wow. There every day after work, putting this reel together. I didn't even know what a reel was. I asked my friend, (laughs) Sita, who I worked with at Team Summit. Mm -hmm. I said, what's a reel? She was like, it's a thing where you show off your work. I was like, okay. Cause this wasn't, I mean, I like tripped and fell right into Mm -hmm. TV. I don't know. <laughs> um, and so I did that and I put "Housequake" from Prince on top of it, which was Uh-oh. ironic because we were friends at the time we met way back at teen summit. I think a lot of people think we met at MTV, but we knew each other way before that. Cause okay. he was a big fan of teen summit. So, yeah. um, so I did that I sent that to MTV and they called me like two days later and told me mm. to come up here. We want you to audition. And they were launching the times square studios. It was 97, the summer of summer of 97 I think it was September of 96 I actually auditioned for them that okay. can't be right because I didn't start into anyway I don't remember they ain't my thing oh my
2: but God. I know I launched
1: the Times Square Studios uh, in in 97 so mm-hmm. it was sometime before that I went up to audition and I got called back that night and they said yeah we come on and I was like how much pay <laughs> right how much I'm and the then numbers. I was like oh I'm out it was like it was ridiculously much more money than I was was like, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. But I was torn because I really loved team summit. And I believed in the work we were doing, you know, Mm -hmm. BT had made it an easier job to keep. I would have stayed. And even though there was this alleged conversation between Prince and um, Bob Johnson, um, he said, I'll just pay your, your, you know, salary. And he told Bob that. And Bob was like, you can't just pay her salary. Anyway, I left. (laughs) Yeah. um, That was that. (laughs) And then loved MTV. I had so much fun. It wasn't the same kind of fulfilling work, but it was really fun work. And New York was such this dynamic, energetic, amazing city, you know, that I eventually got tired of all that energy that New York can give you. It's a lot, but it was wonderful in the beginning. And my job was amazing and fantastic people around like all the time. Yeah. At the love of my life then. (laughs) Well, and um, so (laughs) it was it was really good. So back then, like, how did you balance,
0: you know, working a lot and still having like a social life outside of work? I know with your work, it's still like a social life. But how did you balance that? Because I don't really believe in work life balance. It's like you just have to make life. Right. But sometimes I know people can get to a point where they're like overwhelmed because maybe they're not getting sleep or not eating right. Things like that. Did you feel like you ever struggled with balancing all that?
1: You know, honestly, I struggled with drinking too much more than anything at the time. And I smoked cigarettes back then. And that was like the worst habit I had. And I did it in a closet because I felt so much pressure to live up to this idea that other people had of me. Oh. And I knew that that would one break my grandmother's heart, and two be a horrible uh, example to my six godkids who were like the reason that I worked so hard um, yeah. and so long. Like uh, it was important to me how they saw me, and so instead of figuring out how to quit, I just hit it. <laughs> you know, I was like, "Well, y'all just don't need to know about that, Then I'll just go ahead back around here, around the corner. Right. Um, so I was such like a closet smoker, and you know, in New York though, everybody smoked in New York, and it made it. Probably more acceptable than I expected it to be, but I still wasn't someone who wanted to be seen as a smoker. I just have always considered it a really nasty habit, still do, and I didn't want to be seen like that. But I had developed a real like habit as in addiction because I couldn't quit. I tried to quit five times on my own cold turkey. I'm a really strong person when it comes to discipline. And I couldn't do it. It had me by the throat. And, you know, I couldn't get up without coffee and a cigarette. I couldn't go to sleep without wine and a cigarette. And so I think those years for me were just tumultuous. I did a lot of like, oh, my God, they're going to see me kind of hiding. Um, yeah. I had a heartbreak in, in those years, too. I was young and a little still crazy. So, you know, I was too young to be that paid also. And so I didn't waste a lot of money, but I just could do too much stuff. Yeah. There, like there was nothing I couldn't do. I wasn't like some millionaire. I wasn't Kylie, you know, selling cosmetics. I should have been, if it was easy enough to sell cosmetics, like I had a lipstick idea I couldn't go with. Cause it was so hard to put out products then, yeah. but, um, you know, I just, I was making good money at my job and I was good at my job. So I was there for a good amount of time. And I think the work life balance to finally come back to your question, <laughs> not on the other one, I'll circle back. Um, <laughs> My work, like you kind of said, my work was also my social life because we did so much partying on camera, <laughs> right? We were being yeah. on camera and I was getting paid for it. What?
0: Like the best job ever. <laughs> if you like partying and you're good on camera. So,
1: ding, 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 ding. Yes. So um it was perfect for me. I was like, what? And then I had, you know, really high profile friends which I was like high profile along with them. So yeah. it was a really cool environment and I was at the top of that environment and that's a great place to be in the, in the in the 90s. Like we will ne- we will never get that back and I'm so grateful I got to live it up close and firsthand. Cause if you weren't there, you don't you do you do not know and you no. cannot find out. No, not at <laughs> You can hear stories, but you're never going to live it. And it yeah, I don't care how many videos you watch. It's, it's not I'll the same. It. You, you have the <laughs> videos, uh, rolling. And um, it was magical. I feel like it's exactly what the people who were in the 70s, like just in general felt like. I think everybody in the 70s was partying. Like you didn't have to be uh, <laughs> famous or anything. Probably helped if you were. But like right. Jimmy yeah. Hendrix would walk out in the crowd and smoke with people. and Like it was just everybody was partying. But in the 90s, it was more like it started, you started getting that kind of hierarchy. And because mm-hmm. I was able to be in that hierarchy, it was just, um, it was incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Nothing will ever repeat it. But yeah. um, so the work life was all commingled and I yeah. I wore myself out a lot. I mean, I worked long hours, um, especially at MTV, but even at Teen Summit. I mean, we were live every weekend on Teen Summit. And then toward the end, right before I left, we were live every day. And mm-hmm. that is grueling, you know, there's no time for like the, the person, the part of your life that is just for you. I didn't have any of that. And I think that's why I had so much like drama kind of in my life because it was all too open. Right. There was nothing really private and that became problematic. And I think that's why I kind of rubber band snapped back and went like, I'm gonna be super private, which Brings me back to your other question, if I can go back to that real quick, because yeah. I got stuck on the tangent of Teen Summit and going to, <laughs> India, but ultimately, I think when I left, left, right? So your question was about leaving.
2: Yeah.
1: Finally, when I finally left the industry, I was doing the talk show and I left because I hated it. And I left because my grandma got, I would say ill, but she wasn't, we didn't know she was ill yet, but she was feeling you know not her normal self and more importantly she was starting to um, not be able to live alone anymore um, mm-hmm. you know she was older she was in her 80s at that point she was 84 83 and she was um not quite having falls but I saw that coming and she'd had accidents with like her dentures breaking and not being able to figure out doing that which you know for an 80 year old is, is very dangerous if you can't eat for a couple of days right and I was troubleshooting for her from 3000 miles away. Um, And then one day I got that call. That's like, listen, this ain't going to work much longer. So I I love you. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what? Stop. And I really, really recognized that she needed me. And Mm -hmm. I left. I packed up two U-Haul trucks with friends that drove out from San Diego to drive back with me. Um, And I packed up my house. I didn't quite say, anything to the talk show people, cause I was so <laughs> over them and angry at how they managed everything and sick of it that okay. I was like, I'm out, you know? And I didn't say nothing, y'all, I left. And I, I I, remember just turning off my phone. I finally changed my number and nobody knew where I went. My, my, <laughs> my uh, PR person, my, well, not an agent, but she was my PR person. She was like, what the hell, Ananda, what the hell? I remember getting messages because I wasn't answering the phone. And then, like I said, I turned it off and changed my number. So, but I would listen to the messages and just not call people back. And Mm -hmm. I feel, I feel like, you know, that's one of the things when I look back at it, it was just bad form, right? Just bad form. People had put a lot of effort and energy into helping me create this career, right? That I didn't look at it like that. But now looking back, I see that. Um, And I just jetted. (laughs) I was like, because... I am that person who yeah. when the person I love and care about most on the planet at the time mm-hmm. calls and says, You know, bat signal, I need you. I'm gonna fly out. like right. I'm gonna be done. And even though that's who I am, I now see that there's a better way to handle that right. leaving <laughs> mm-hmm. than than I handled it, but, you know, 80 yeah. 80 now, uh, but that's when is, you know you
0: over something, or you just kind of fed up with certain things when you don't even make an announcement.
1: <laughs> oh, listen, whatever <laughs> I didn't think of like career fans, nothing, but I'm a disappear on your because that's that's what it's gonna be. How about that? Yes, disappearing act. if so my out. grandma hadn't had, you know, if I hadn't gotten that call, yeah, I don't know how I would have handled because I really. Could not tolerate that show anymore. And mm-hmm. I don't know what would have happened. So, I mean, that would have been an interesting part of it. I had already done the cuss everybody out part. <laughs> the time.
2: So that, I was, had I didn't
1: Listen, I was, I can see why people felt like I was difficult. I've only heard that from a few people. Most people felt I was fine. Whatever their opinion is, is more about them than me. But <laughs> I could see where the opinion of me being difficult would come from because I was really you put my name on something and then you didn't ask me what it should look like then take my yeah. name and I was having those arguments every day I would come yeah. in and like not get dressed because you don't have anything here I'm gonna wear why would you not bring my stylist in so I can look like myself I'm not putting that on and so I'm the wrong personality for that industry they need people who are willing to be like okay I'll do whatever oh, oh whatever okay I'll go up there and just read the script that's not who I am. And it's not who I will ever be. And yeah, so yeah. the reason why Teen Summit MTV worked for me so well, and then the talk show didn't, was because I could be myself. Yeah. And so they tried to turn me into something else. And I'm not willing to be something else. Whatever it is, that's me. That's what I'm going to be, good or bad, right or wrong. I'm going to live with it.
0: Yeah. And I've noticed some people struggle with that because they feel like they have to do that like be someone else for a period of time in order to get that shot to have an opportunity to be themselves but I feel like you just bring more stress and overwhelm because it's like you're doing it but inside you're not really happy so it's like it just gets worse and worse so like with
1: your show easier now though then you know? there were only a couple of places you could be, right? If you wanted a shot on TV. And it was that's true. Course, there was just cable and regular TV. And even that's cable true. wasn't expanded. I mean, now you can do your own show on Instagram and have it be a hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's <laughs> a really different world. Completely oh, yeah. different. You have a podcast that you can just be like, I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do. And I got multiple streams and I could put it on. Yes. Literally, that's only been the case for the last two, three, five years. Right.
2: Prior to that,
1: you had to go through the process that was in place by the hierarchy of TV and the same thing in movies, but the hierarchy of TV for what we're talking about. And that was not easy. So there weren't a lot of opportunities to just be like, I mean, even me, I I understand where like, how dare you act like that? Because people would kill for this opportunity. And I'd be like, let them kill somebody for it. I'm out. You know what I mean? Y'all can have it. The the rebel in me wasn't going to tolerate it. But. Yeah. What I had was a really um, unique and important opportunity, you know, and I don't think I blew it. I think it wasn't for me. But if I was able to look at myself as more of a business than looking at myself like, no, 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 this is who I am. And that is so important that I'm going to forego the rest of it. Like there are a lot of different ways you can perceive that. 20 years later right but right, yeah. i think i i could have opened my understanding to it as a business better and done more with it but <laughs> I'm happy for the choices I made because the outcome is what I wanted. I never could have left my grandmother hanging. So Mm -hmm. it didn't have mattered if I did look at it as, oh, I have this whole business and I've created all this. I still would have left, right? I might've done it differently. I might've been able to talk to them and say, can we move it to California? Like there might've been other things to do. No, but those weren't the circumstances um, I was met with. So,
0: yeah. When you started that show, was that an idea that you pitched to the network or did they present me with that opportunity? Yeah, they came to
1: me and said, hey, we really, you're really popular on MTV and we think you could hold down your own show. And I was like, really? (laughs) Really? (laughs) You think so? Because I didn't have that perspective of myself. I mean, no social media. I didn't watch back most of my stuff. It was almost all live, right? So when was I going to watch it back? I got tapes, but I didn't have time to watch another hour. (laughs) I just Uh came home. I'm not going to watch what I just did too much. So I was just, I really was winging it. Like, let me get up. Let me go to work. Let me do a great job. Let me do what I want on the, on the downtime. Let me keep, you know, I was boom, 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 processing it. And it was long days and fun nights, but still long nights. And it just, there was no time for me to stop and go, oh, I'm in the middle of this amazing opportunity. (laughs) Who am I in the middle of this amazing opportunity? Plus we didn't have um, access to any fans. I mean, that, that show I do on my app, the, um, fan fan mail, flashback, fan mail, or fan mail, flashback. I forget what I call it, um, but that's 11 boxes of fan mail that MTV gave me when I left to do the talk show that I didn't know were there. So there was no, I mean, that was how fans interacted with you through snail mail, <laughs> right? It wasn't like it is today where I can pick up my phone and be on Instagram and be like, hey, and like 5,000 fans. It's yep. not like that. It wasn't like that. So <clears throat> the ease with which we can do things these days is, absolutely different.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, I know change is great. You know, growth is good, but just like we have mentioned about how, you know, the nineties was one of the best times. Like, do you feel, even though things have changed with social media, do you feel like we're still missing something in today's media world that we didn't have back then that you wish was kind of
1: still here? I think we're missing the specialness. Mm-hmm. It's like anybody can jump up, and no disrespect because I listen I wish I could twerk but I feel like anybody can jump up get naked on the screen say something controversial shake their ass like whatever get attention and bam now they're important to people they're considered an icon or they're called. it's like do y'all know what words mean you haven't put in any work (laughs) you know what I mean and it's like uh I feel like I'm in the twilight zone sometimes yo but I mean I get it because in the perception of people, young, you know, younger people, I would say 30 and under, maybe, mm-hmm. everything has been instantaneous. They only know smartphones and iPads, and they only know internet. They only know access to everything at all times. And so that perspective is just very different. And what they deem to be uh, important, relevant, smart, um, special is is different based on that. And so I can't really compare it because it's completely its own thing. Um, I just know it's not the same and it's not as special because you had to really work for it. And you had to really do things that cause people to think that way about you. And now it's like, they have these big ideas that they understand from the past and they're just throwing them on the present when they really don't make sense.
0: Oh yes. It's like
1: to me. Um,
0: that is so true. And so. like, when you mentioned about, you know, being at the height, you know, of your career, you know, making a lot of money, you know, going out to parties, having fun, living it up girl. Hey. What, what do you feel? If you can remember, what do you think was
1: one of your best And worst money moves. My worst was not investing in Apple when I could have. That was the worst decision in my life. And it was an actual decision. Yeah. Um, And I had the money to do it. And the best was, all you know, I want to say it was like saving my money. And I helped people I loved and I felt great about it. And so that's what I wanted to do with my money. I didn't, I drove a pickup truck because I love pickup trucks. I love trucks. I'm not, again, not flashy. Don't buy a lot of jewelry. I was gifted a lot of things that were really cool. So I didn't have to buy a lot of stuff. And I just wanted the people I love to be okay. And so Mm -hmm. I did a lot of giving away of money that I wish I could have some of that back, but that's all right. (laughs) Um, And I would say not understanding the stock market earlier. Mm -hmm. The reason I passed on certain investments was because I didn't get it. I was like, What give me that money for that? The hell? I don't even know what that is, <laughs> you know. So, right. I'm, <laughs> I'm teaching my son all the things I wish I knew because he, you know, it's a new life, he has a new opportunity to make new decisions and, and good choices and understand things differently. So, it's kind of my chance at doing it over right, you know. But nobody taught me that stuff, so I don't know where I would have learned it. Um, but other than that, let me think. Um, you know, I I well knowing more about the stock market, but also knowing more about like 401ks and stuff, the things that increase mm-hmm. over time without you having anything to do with them. Yeah, and I yeah. wish there were more uh, opportunities for passive income mm-hmm. uh, because that would have been nice to be able to jump into them. But you listen, nothing is ever too late until you did. So, right, you, know, <laughs> you have to look at, and I look at everything I would look back. 20, 25 years ago and say, oh, I wish I did this and this and this. I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to do this and this, and this now mm-hmm. because I because you can still do whatever you want and it's easier to do whatever you want now. Oh my you God. Know? It
0: is. That's what I tell my daughter. I said, you guys have so much more resources and access to things and people that oh, we I didn't know. really have back then. And even back then, even further. So it's I like, know. You guys can just like you said, pick up your phone. You could just go on YouTube and learn things.
1: Just like, the socks on your phone.
0: Yes, <laughs> your phone. Everything is there. Yes.
1: That's why when I run across the laziness that the like millennials get blamed for, I'm like, it's ridiculous. Like if you really aren't doing anything, you really are lazy because there's just no re- there's no excuse. No. There's no excuse. Eva, oh, I don't know, but everything you need to know can now be found on YouTube. Oh, but I don't know the, I don't have the, everything you need is on the internet. Like, stop with the excuses. You don't want to do it. That's the answer. And that's what you should say. That is because so it's true. Easy. You it's can put, easy.
0: put in anything in the search on YouTube and somebody has don't a video.
1: know about. something about it. Girl, like the weirdest <laughs> stuff. You like, oh my gosh huh? right, <laughs> and you you really um can learn a lot from people who you wouldn't have been able to access before. I mean, there's some pretty high level people just telling you stuff, right? Oh, and high no. by high level, I don't mean famous. I've gotten we re- I'm so sick of like the everybody's famous thing, isn't it? Me a <laughs> it's like, well, I don't mean that by that. I mean that people yeah. who are really educated about things are sharing what they know. Yeah. and they're like on podcasts on different ways, they're just the information mm. is so plentiful yeah. and accessible and mm-hmm. free, like it's not even excuse of not afford, I'm not being able to afford like the coaching systems and stuff. I've taken a lot of these classes from people, like I enjoy learning. So I just kind of like, oh yeah, well, class on this. I want to take that. Mm-hmm. And like some of these classes, some of these courses are really expensive, but they're also people giving the same information, information away, completely free. And all you have to be is motivated. Like that's literally all you need today is some motivation. You can yeah. cut and paste some affiliate marketing stuff. If you even have five <laughs> followers, you can cut and paste affiliate marketing links and put yourself a little free link tree together and then go over here and get, and, and you can have two people buy it and you can make a hundred dollars. Like stop with the excuses. Yeah. You know I mean? So it's it's a whole wide, wonderful new world. And I think they are yeah. obviously downsides there's negative parts to this too there's mm. the dark side of the web i understand all that but you know unless unless you really are into that it's not going to affect you if you're not seeking it out it's not just going to crawl out and find you i'm i'm clear on the fact with children that it can because they don't know better but you right. put them into controls in place and da 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 and i own guns so i won't be worried about that because i'm willing to hurt somebody over my child i want exactly be Like, come in my house and find out what happened. (laughs) So we're going to have a problem.
0: You're going to be ready. I
1: don't don't get all paranoid because I know how to defend myself and I'm I'm good on that. But um, I think, you know, barring that, it's a beautiful, wonderful, wide open market right now. And people really need to take advantage.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that you said that because that's something that I've been explaining to like my daughter and my nieces and nephews that it it doesn't matter what you want to do. And even if you want to do this and you want to change your mind and try something else later, you can easily do it because (laughs) you could just get online. And like you said, you gotta, you be careful with looking at certain things, but it's a lot of people, quality people who know what they're talking about. That's giving the free information, you know, like you, (laughs) yes, yes. Mm-hmm. just like me, girl. <laughs> and that's why I like to share what I've learned just from my you know, own personal experience, it's like when it comes to financial education, yeah. but my own personal experience, but also professionally as well. It's like when I grew up, I didn't learn about money growing up at all. And when mm-hmm. as a young adult, as a single mom, a teen mom, I just, I started at the complete bottom. So it's yeah. like, you kind of know, it's, it's different once you experience, you can, if you teach something differently when you've been through it versus if you, you know, just read about it in a book. Absolutely. Um, but that's something, that's just one of my passions. And one thing I love to do is educating people on finances and that it's never too late because at one point, girl, I thought it was too late. I'm like, oh, I should have known better. I, sh- I wish I would have had this and that. And I was like, I have to stop wishing I would have learned this yeah. stuff back then because now I know I could teach my daughter and now she can't cause she's in college and she doesn't have student loans or anything like that. And I'm like, when I wow. first went to college, that's all. It's the first thing. It's my first debt was student loans. Oh, me too. And then American express. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My first one was a bank of America credit card. They gave me oh my a $5,000 limit. And I was like, Oh, you know, back then I ain't have no money. And I was like, $5,000, 5,000 was like, felt like 30,000 to me. Like it's a whole lot of money in this. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's crazy how you kind of look back on things you did at 20, you know, <laughs> and then you like Ooh, things I did at 20 was a little rough around the edges, but it's okay because you know, I, I use those lessons learned, you yeah. know, and of- we're here now <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and like talking about skills, like, carpentry like being a carpenter how did you decide to start something like that oh gosh
1: it's like everything in my life goes back to my grandma so i was a kid who broke a lot of stuff and she was a renaissance woman who really fixed lots i mean she i've seen her fix all kinds of stuff she fixed everything so i really saw her fixing things all around the house. There was not, you know, she had a handyman. She would call every now and then who like built big stuff. He built our tree house in the backyard, like stuff she wasn't going to tackle. But as far as like around the house and, um, all of that, she could sew. She was an amazing cook. She was like, like a seamstress sewer. She could make full gowns out of scratch. Um, not from a pattern, just from doing it. And she was a, a horticulture expert. She could take cuttings of a plant and replant it and you would have a bush. Like she was amazing. She's from Tulsa, Oklahoma, grew up on a kind of farmy environment, not like a big old farm, but like a house farm and um, was a survivor of the Tulsa massacre actually when she was a very little girl. So um, she just was always doing something. And when I broke things in the house, she was like, you got to fix that. I'm not fixing that you better get the drill and get a screwdriver. Come over here. So she would teach me, you know, she, she was hardcore about it. She was like, stop, do it like this. You know, she was like, okay, let me show you, darling. She was not playing with me, but I still got the lesson, you know, and um, I learned how to fix stuff. So when I was really, I was i guess jaded about tv for a long time but after my grandmother passed i took care of her the last two years of her life we didn't know it was going to be two years but that's what it ended up being so i'm so glad i went back because i would have missed it mm-hmm. um i took care of her the last two years of her life and in during that time we actually did a project together and she was not well but she laid on her back and held up a sink at my mother's house i was redoing her kitchen And she held up the sink while I caulked it. And then she sat in a chair and painted a wall and was just, she was a hard worker. She was someone who she would outwork men. And that was a big thing back then. Mm -hmm. And when I came home to take care of her, she said the same thing about me. She was like, you a better worker than any of the men I've hired. I was like, "Ah, thank you. So We had such a fun relationship. That last two years was amazing. And, I decided after that, once she passed and I came back to, or I moved to uh, LA, I hadn't lived in LA before that, but I moved to LA. It was time to go back to work. Um, when you asked me about money, I forgot to say that because I didn't spend a lot and because I really just kind of helped the people I loved, I ended up having a lot of money left over. Like I could save, you know, I, I not on purpose. I wasn't like, I'm going to save my money and make sure that at <laughs> five years I have... I, I was not frugal like that, but I just didn't spend a lot of money. So I ended up having a lot of money in the bank when I went home to take care of her. And by the time she passed, because I really took good care of her, I'd spent it all. And so I needed to get back to work. And um, I came to LA and I just didn't yeah, I wasn't in love with TV anymore. I was in love with TV when I did teen summit and MTV fell out of love with it, with the talk show and and just really never fell back in love with it. I like a lot of the work that I've done since, but the love and the passion just, you know, it's just different. So I was in the middle of, if you think doing, um, the entertainment news show, I used to do the insider and I wanted to do radio, um, and I started doing a, a, sh- a radio show here in LA. And, and I just, you know, I kept trying things. I Again, how much y'all pay? Okay, I'll go over here. But I was only doing things for like a check at that point. Yeah. And I kept trying to find stuff I loved. And I was like, oh, I don't love it. And then I did like something and it didn't get picked up. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I always loved fixing things. And I was living mm-hmm. in a house here in the Valley still. I've always been a Valley girl. And um, I was trying to install a shoe rack. Uh, and so I guess that doesn't really answer the question because what's the bridge between what my grandma taught me when I was little into this? I always had tools. When I was really miserable at the talk show and I was living in Jersey, so I was commuting through the tunnel because we were like close to the you know water, whatever, in New York 50 something at CBS. I would go to Home Depot when I would get off work and walking through the tool section would calm me down. <laughs> I've always loved tools and I've always owned tools, even when I didn't know how to use them because I loved them. But I was always fixing something like my grandma was, right? I was always fixing something. I would go snake friends' toilets. I just knew how to do stuff because I picked up stuff along the way. A friend's dad taught me how to change my oil. I was putting my brakes on my truck every now, you know, like I could just do stuff. I've always I been- I those skills. <laughs> yeah, I, I spliced a battery cable in my pickup truck on, uh, pickup truck on the side of the 405 in like, oh- Seven or something, trying to make it up to a friend's um, baby shower, and my truck broke down. The battery cable was mm. corrupted. And I had stopped, and I knew what to do. I was like, let me get these cutters, let me wire strippers. I re did the cables, <laughs> I'm back on up real quick. I wasn't <laughs> waiting on triple A or triple B or triple C. I was like, oh, <laughs> my triple A. Ain't so, got time
0: for that.
1: <laughs> hey, or money. <laughs> yeah, you money. Right. But I, I mean, I do have AAA because it's safe, but I'm just saying I didn't need it at the time. So, <laughs> I was always doing stuff like that. And I had a a boyfriend, um, a friend who ended up being someone I dated, who I really loved. had a great relationship with him. He was a furniture maker and taught me a lot about tools and furniture and how, you know, watching him work. And he was amazing at it. So I learned a lot from him too. And then just literally by nature of watching people do stuff, I would watch people build sets when I was doing TV. Like I was the host who would come in and be like, can I come when they're constructing the set and be like, oh, how do they do that? And just like, "What I was... I love it. It is what I dream about. Like I see things in construction materials. You know what I mean? Like that's my language. So, um, knowing that about myself and struggling with this shoe rack, I decided. You know what? I I want to go learn how to do this because I'm sick of struggling. Like there's something simple I'm missing, <laughs> and I don't like not knowing stuff. Like I said, I'm a learner. I like school. Yeah. I got online and then started searching, you know, back then the searches, you kind of had to print out a search, couldn't save it. I was printing out pages. I found um, Los Angeles trade tech. And I was like, Ooh, maybe they have a cabinetry thing. They had a whole bunch of courses. And I was like, I'm about to do this. (laughs) I signed up for all these courses before I knew it. I had a full-time carpentry schedule for school. And I got there. I was you know, seven in the morning, I'm bright. And I'm the first person in class. I got my colored pens. Like that's the kind of student I am. I'm on a right and different. I want to know. I want categories. I'm real organized. Well, with that, I'm very unorganized otherwise. Uh, but I would show up to the school. My, you know, I was one of two girls in the class and then I ended up women <laughs> and then I ended up being just one. Oh. And the teacher was like, wait, so what's your goal here? Like in the beginning, they assess your like, thing you bring. It's a two-year program. And I just signed up for a bunch of courses. I didn't have a plan to do a program. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, what are you trying to do? I said, I have this cabinet at home. I'm trying to build this shoe rack and I don't understand it, but I really love this work and I have a lot of tools and I just want to learn how to do it better. And he was like, well, this is, I mean, you're going for a degree. I said, no, I'm not. He said, well, all these classes, if you do them, you'll have a degree. And I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, well, let me do that. then." <laughs> How long is that program? <laughs> two years. I was like, well, you know, I had to figure out work, figure out bills, but I figured it out. And I did a two year program and graduated with an AS in carpentry in 2010, wow. in 2010. And it was like, I was a 4.0 graduate. I got all the honors bangs. Cause it was really what I loved. And, and felt good about. And so I've been able to do renovations on family properties, save us money. I've been able to do my own stuff. I built furniture for people. So it's really just a a labor of love. Um, I didn't go on and get a, um, a license because I don't need a license. I don't hire myself out, but I, I do, um, all of my own projects and those for other people. One of the things I wanted to turn it into before the diagnosis took me a left turn to in my health,
0: mm-hmm. I was
1: doing a lot of work for single moms because there's this real problem of having strangers that are men in your house with your kids, especially when you have girls. And that's not to say that, you know, we should be suspicious of men in this industry, but sometimes we should be suspicious of men in this industry. You know what all I'm right. saying? Because, I mean literally if you just listen to as many crime stories as I do you go oh when people know you live alone you're a woman you don't have a door bar you know tell you about that later but i mean it's it's a risk it's a real risk not to mention you're getting gouged price-wise because you don't even know what to expect to be charged. Like you have no idea. So I turned my skills and my love of it into, it wasn't quite a business, but it was just what I was doing. I would go help single moms and I was repairing beds or putting in lights or fixing. I don't mess with electricity because it can kill you, but Mm -hmm. I will do like once it's all off and everything's safe, I'll do like little rewiring stuff. I won't rerun like a whole electrical system. I don't know how to do that, but Mm -hmm. I could do the plumbing. I could do a lot of stuff. And so I was showing women how to take care of their own homes um, and doing repairs for them so they didn't have to call in strangers who were men. And I really loved that. Oh, I wish I could do more of it. Time just doesn't allow it right now, but I hope to get back to it when I'm down to a stage zero, when it's all
0: That's gone. Bless blessing though, because there's been plenty of times
1: myself, I could have used those services. <laughs> I would too. I got, listen, the benefit of being a female carpenter, a woman carpenter, is that our attention to detail thrives in that environment. Let me tell you how my crown molding is so lined up and perfect. Oh, Because my I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I was doing a big renovation in my mom's house. And I remember the night before, I mean, I worked right up until the last minute. I didn't do all the work myself, but I did a lot of it myself. And right up until the night before the tenants were moving in, I was taking of toothpicks and touching up paint and then going and lining the corn. I care about how stuff looks, especially if it's my work. And yeah. you just don't find that as much with men in the industry. They're like, throw it up. Let's go. Like, oh my gosh, it's crooked. You know, right. So I, I think that's a real benefit being a, a woman. carpenter. Mm. Oh, I love
0: that. It's like things like that is things that I'm thinking about other interests, you know, hobbies and things like that, that I want to learn more about because, yeah. There's times where I need to do things around the house, and I'll look at a YouTube video, and I'll get totally overwhelmed. Yeah, you'd be like, "I have no idea." <laughs> I'm like, "I have no clue what I'm doing." And then oh. I would then hire someone like you if I if I found right. a female carpenter. Like, I, I've never even met one before. You're the first one I know. They're yeah. out there. And there's, a industry,
1: there's a whole like There's uh, a whole like club of well women in construction. So I don't know if carpenters right. yeah. but there's a yeah. whole yeah. women in construction like club. I'm gonna look Yeah, up. it's dope. Oh, I wanted to have a completely female construction business at one point. Mm. Just you know, we're we're yeah. the ones that show up and cater to women, and yeah. so you know, again, I got sidelined, but that's all right. Right. Maybe somebody else will hear it and do it. Go do the idea. I don't care if you take my ideas. I just want to see it done. Yeah.
0: And I like (laughs) the fact that you do what you feel is best for you at the time. Like you're not afraid to try new things and try the different things. And I didn't realize that you learned about carpentry early on as a little girl. So it's like when it came back in your
1: adult life, it seemed like it was probably a little easier to flow into it. So Absolutely. and I felt like I belonged there. Like yeah. I felt like I know more about this than any of y'all do. And as the only ended up being the only woman in the class, I was the one they would come to for notes. The guys were amazing. I never had that whole, well, you shouldn't be here because you're a woman. None of that. They were all wonderful, wonderful men. And they were, you know, helpful. Cause here's the downside of being a woman in carpentry. You got to lift some heavy stuff. And that part, I was like, can you come over and help I me mean, lift? I am not afraid. Listen. Use the muscles <laughs> for me, come here and lift. Yeah. It. put that beam up. I'll screw it in. But you lift it. Listen, right. I was it was it was perfect. So and I would give them my notes like they missed class. You know, I got the notes. Here you go. Mm-hmm. So it was a very helpful, reciprocative, reciprocal. Right. Relationship with the guys, and I, I still, you know, I'm in touch with them loosely in in social media to this day, and they're like, I can't believe that was you, because they didn't know it was like TV me, because I wasn't right. showing like this. I have my hat hair back, like when I go play poker. I'm like, here, you you think I'm a man in that at that table, except for the lip gloss, because I don't like what it was you. It was me.
0: you all the time. <laughs> like, psh. right, yeah, like <laughs> That is so cool. I I really love that because that's (laughs) something that I'm uh, interested in learning more about. May Mm -hmm. not be able to do as as much as you did, but I want to learn to do a little something.
1: (laughs) Uh, Listen, a little something is all you need. Yes. Yes. Pain, like my my best friend was um, in her in her house, I guess it was apartment at the time. And she thought somebody had her, she knew somebody had her key, but she didn't know what they were going to do with key. She oh, woke yeah. up kind of in a panic and she was like, Oh my God, I got to get my locks changed. She called a locksmith and he charged her $432 to change two locks. One, because it was in the middle of the night, got it. 2 AM emergency call. Okay. But you got a thousand percent increase because of emergency call. Like those locks cost about. I mean, they say if you get good ones, you're paying about 50 bucks at Home Depot. You catch it on sale, you can get two for 50. And it takes a Phillips head screwdriver almost literally, that's it. It is that sem- That's why I put that lock change video on my Instagram. I'm like, girls, come on, women, come on. Let's, let's learn how to do this. Cause you never know when you're in an unsafe situation. Right. Unfortunately, a lot of the, the safety issues we encounter are at the hands of men. Mm-hmm. And you never know when someone's going, listen, you get, you break it from a relationship. You need, you don't get that key back. Change the lock. Yes.
0: <laughs> go ahead and do it yourself. Right. Go now don't do it, it.
1: Mad he's out too late. That's messed up. But right. some of these skills can be used for evil as well. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> I can undo your wall. Quit messing right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I will cut
0: yours. <laughs> right. Will... And don't make me use these for evil now. Right. I can use them
1: for good, but don't make me flip uh, the script on. Go you. So quick do Two by four holding your house up. Please don't mess with me.
0: <laughs> right, right. I so. don't want those skills to come out, but but it's good to have them just in case.
2: You
0: <laughs> just in case. So of course I want to go into, you know, the breast cancer experience. Of course. I know when I like everybody, like all of us, when you posted that video back in 2020, October, yeah. and I remember as you were talking in the video when you kind of had that moment, like, you know, oh, this is, you know, a little bit more difficult than you thought than I expected. Yeah. And it's like, I know it's hard for people to talk about those things. I know you said that you, you know, announced it way after you had already been experiencing it. So as of present day, how is everything going with that whole experience?
1: Um, it's been a crazy experience, but mostly because of how I've chosen to address it in terms of my healing. So I, um, for those of you who didn't see the video, I was diagnosed in, uh, 2019, January, 2019 with stage three breast cancer, um, inductive basal blah, 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 carcinoma. Right. So I don't get into all the words because I think words matter and I'm not going to receive those words and let them live in me. They live out here somewhere because it's something my body's experiencing, not something I am. Yes. So... That's why I talk like that, but um, it was—I was never scared about it. I think because my mom had already experienced it, I went through hers with her. I started doing research at that time. I had a few other family members that had encountered, you know, their own experiences with it, and and watched the paths that they chose. I think watching her go through the traditional, um, conventional route, uh, I just knew somewhere in the back of my head that if it ever happened to me, that wasn't going to be me. So I should know some things, mm-hmm. and. I um, I wasn't really surprised. you know. There's no genetic um, match or uh, relationship that's been found yet, excuse me, with all the testing I've done, but I mean, that just means they haven't found the gene yet. You know what I mean? But, but also what I've learned and what I've come to understand and all the, I mean, exhaustive research and uh, information receiving that I have done, like I'm a good student, so I've been studying well and I can apply that to anything. Um, <laughs> What I understand to be the case is that uh, stress on your DNA is really the root cause of almost all illness and especially metabolic illnesses, which I consider a a cancer and metabolic illness, Um, but like MS and Parkinson's, all these other illnesses that are rampant in our society right now, they all come back to the same thing that is inflammation, Mm-hmm. inflammation and DNA damage is caused by a number of things, chemicals in the atmosphere, stress mm-hmm. and the chemicals your body makes as a result of experiencing it for too, young, too long, eating the wrong foods where we receive a lot of our toxins too. The number one thing I was doing wrong was eating too much sugar. Uh, and to this day, I have to swear off sugar because sugar is cancer's number one food source. It's not the only thing you can eat, but it's its preferred food source. And there's a wonderful little trick that our genius bodies can do, our natural our, our, our healthy cells, I'll call them. Our healthy cells can convert fat to fuel so we can get energy from fat. Cancer cells cannot convert fat to fuel. They can easily convert sugar to fuel and they can shift themselves to convert protein to fuel sometimes, but it's hard for them. So the number one thing I've done best in the last three years that I've been managing this, I like to call it, it's not a fight because who's the enemy? Me. I created it. Am I the enemy? Am I fighting myself? That would be crazy. (laughs)
2: Yeah. <laughs> we
1: all lose, right? I right. <laughs> have Cancer in my body and then out of my body. Um, the number one thing I've done right. And I didn't do it right in the beginning, but I'm doing it right now is being on a keto diet. And that's a high fat, very medium protein and a very low carb diet, because then you're starving cancer cells. Cancer cells are not hard to kill. They're supposed to be killing themselves with apoptosis, but the, what makes them a cancer cell is that they don't do that anymore. They are either, uh, somehow genetically mutated, right? And there's a lot of different pathways of mutation. A lot of the therapies that are much smarter than the conventional right now, the coming therapies are about pathways and mutations Mm -hmm. and figuring those out and unraveling them. I think that we're going to have a lot of success in that. Yeah. the number one thing you can do is starve the cells because they're weak is the weak little punk ass cells. They're going (laughs) to die, right? They're like, if I can't have food, I'm done. And so- Take away their food source. Like anything else they will starve out, but your normal cells, Will not because you're giving them what they can use. And so keto has been my best friend <laughs> on this journey. And the times that I've gone off of it, I've seen my body respond. I had legs coming off of this tumor. This is where my tumor is. Legs coming off of it, reaching down into my, my liver like two years ago-ish. And that's before I went to Arizona for the integrative treatment that I did. Um, mm-hmm. But I did keto for three days and those legs pulled right back up into my breast. It was like an alien was in me but it's not, it's my, body, right. It was reaching out arms, which is why they call cancer, cancer. It's like a, group, a Greek word that means crab. So these arms were reaching out from the main body, trying to find more food. And I felt that you could feel them. You could see them under my skin. They were moving down every day. And by three days on a strict keto, which for me means under 10 grams of carbs a day, mm-hmm. boom, gone right back up into my breath, completely gone. No more bump. You couldn't feel them. they were, they were gone. Wow. Had a great, great, great experience and a lot of success in Arizona doing an alternative um, integrative, I'll call it, because I did do a little bit of conventional. And let me just be really clear. I'm not against um, conventional just for the sake of being against it. I don't think there's some huge conspiracy with Big Pharma. I do think they do things just for the money, but I don't consider that a conspiracy. That's called a business. Right. Right. It's a business. Of health, these are all businesses. So I don't know why we expect them to behave different than any other business. They Mm -hmm. want the client, they want you to keep coming back, and they want to make money. That I can't say there's anything wrong with that. I think we need to understand it for what it is and have a perspective that includes the truth and allows ourselves to be at the forefront of our healing. Experience, right, and that's what I did from the very beginning. I was like, I'm gonna talk to you and you and you and you and you and you, and I'm gonna see what I think is the right thing for me based on what all of y'all say. Yeah. Um, and The right thing for me was not a you know radical mastectomy they wanted to do, probably a double. Uh, it was not doing full really toxic rounds of chemo. It was not destroying. The, The immune system, which is the only system that can beat cancer, I think. Mm -hmm. um, It was to support my body and help it figure it out. Um, You know, I think I'm I'm lucky. I don't know if there's any luck in cancer, but if there is, I'm lucky that I had a breast tumor because blood cancers are very different. um, And my tumor being in my breast was a, a safe location, right? The body is doing genius work for itself. It's trying to sequester these bad cells and keep them away from your body. That's why it forms a tumor. And, and so that's a smart thing. And in the breast where it doesn't matter, really, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I was done using them for breastfeeding, which is what they're for. And if this going to be here, okay, I mean, we just work with that, right? So Mm -hmm. I didn't see it wasn't logical to me to do everything they said, it didn't make sense to me to take poisons and destroy my immune system, hoping that it will recover, Mm -hmm. but not trusting that it can do this without that like it did. None of it made sense. And then when they said to me, oh, food doesn't have anything to do with this. I was like, yeah, you on your own page, stay right there. I won't be back because <laughs> exactly. when you disagree, you have to go with you. You got to go with you. And that's an important lesson for us all to remember. Like people are always going to disagree with you. Yeah. You decide that your opinion is more important than theirs because it's your life. Mm-hmm. And I decided that early on. So I was like "I you all right, y'all can do that to somebody, but it's not going to be me. Um I think gratefully when I finally found the center I went to in Arizona they do these really intense deep testing protocols mm-hmm. and the testing made all the difference they they yeah. test you for not genetically for if there's a connection my family but genetically for the cancer like what genes yeah. is is that cancer expressing what are the pathways all those mutations I talked about what are yeah. the things that will actually kill this cancer and the chemos that they laid out for me we're not the chemo that they were going to do here in LA. They were going <laughs> to give me something that was almost at the bottom of my list. It probably would have killed me and it would not have killed the cancer just based on the testing. Yeah. So, I think there's a, a new way to proceed. Yeah. I'm figuring it out myself, but I hope to lay it out so other women can, can at least know it. Um, you should make decisions that work best for you, but you should do that based on a full receiving of information, all of it, not just what. Doctors are telling you is what they believe. That's what they believe. That's what they've learned. That's fine. But even when you look at their information, some of them disagree. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to find out what I think from my experience. And I'm gonna tell you this, Cleo. I have a very narrow window of what uh my life is gonna look like for me to wanna live it. Right. I have a narrow window and and that's what it is. And people don't have to agree with it. It's mine. <laughs> Only mm-hmm. I have to agree with it, right? So I am not interested in being sick and half dead and calling that being healed. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in having a compromised life and calling it good. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in being vibrant and healthy and whole and doing the work to get that. One of the things I think they do wrong the most when I was going through my mom's with her, they were bringing her as she was hooked up to chemo lines. They were bringing her trays of grape juice and Snickers and granola bars like like you don't know the sugar connection. So either you don't know, or you don't care either way. I'm not here for it Yeah, because I know what I know and Mm -hmm. I'm reading the right books and I'm listening to actual doctors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just a different, it's just a different path. And my experience has been what I've made it. So far it's been very successful. I've gone from a stage three to a stage two. That means Mm -hmm. I've gotten it out of my lymph and it's just localized in my breast again. And now, you know, from there, I'm going to figure out what to do about the tumor and how to keep my body healthy and activating my immune system so that it's actually doing its job, which is fighting the cancer cells as they are created. We all have cancer. It's just not all advanced.
0: Right. And I like that you said getting all the information, like, you know, not just taking one person's opinion or two person two people's opinion but five right yeah (laughs) a lot of information and doing your own research outside of just you know one medical facility you went to because I think when people experience things like that they may just want to take the first answer some people but I like that. yeah because sometimes you feel like you get Scared and you yeah. think, well, I don't have any time. I may, I, I might as well hurry up and do this, you so know. That, but.
1: That's what they're telling you. The doctor told me I'd be dead by January of this year. Wow. He said, I might have two. I said, How long if I don't do this? And he said, uh, you know, two, maybe three, three years. Wow. I tell you what, I'm working on now is four and five in a minute.
0: And right.
1: I'm gonna ride that as far as I can. Exactly. I it's 2022. Of, Listen, <laughs> 2052. What are we talking? Exactly. We got a whole more I'm life to gonna, live. I'm ride it out and I'm going to be whole and healthy and happy the whole time. And I yeah. think to me, it's just a matter of time. When you look at how technology is running at this high speed right now, when you look at the things that are happening with stem cell therapy, when you look at things like mm-hmm. Dr. Hydea uh, Green has developed this laser combined with nano treatment, she's still looking for funding, but... Listen, yeah. those things are on the horizon. All I got to do is last long enough to be here for it. And I, I can agree. do that. Right. Because a uh, tumor in my breast isn't going to kill me. That's why I say the body is smart to put it there. Tumor in my breast is not going to kill me. Spreading somewhere else and hitting an organ. Now that becomes a problem. It's still not going to kill me immediately though. And right. the, the rush that they do to say, t- you don't have time. We got to start this chemo in three weeks. That's what he told me. We've got to start chemo in three weeks. We've got to cut it off tomorrow. Like, calm down, dude. Right. Like, first of exactly. all, For it to be the size it was when I found it, it's been growing five, six, seven years. Like, where's the rush all of a sudden right now?
2: Mm, Because this
1: is where it is after all that. Like, you have to think with your own brain. Yes. You have to block out the nonsense and you have to think for yourself. Because if you don't, you will get snowballed into some nonsense. And I know women firsthand, two of them are gone already. But I knew five of them who wish they'd never done what they were told to do. And they did everything just like they were told to do. And it didn't help. Yeah. So I just, I really believe that people have to walk their own path and then you have to live with those consequences. I have to live with the consequences of this decision and I can.
0: Yeah. And I'm just so happy to hear that you are making progress and that you are not, you know, you know, letting negative thoughts or negative feelings, you know, keep you stuck and not doing anything. Because I know, you know, just from what I've read, I know I haven't personally experienced it, but just reading about people's experiences when they, you know, learn that they have a certain, you know, diagnosis, sometimes people just, you know, give up and don't really want to do much. So I just love to hear that you are still doing the work and you're looking forward to more years. It's not like you're accepting Oh, it's only going to be two or
1: three years. Like, no, No. I got lots of stuff to do in this lifetime. Okay. Uh, They don't know me. (laughs) So you might know what you think based on what you see with your test right now today, but you don't know me and you don't know my God and you don't know my discipline and you don't know it. You don't know nothing about this here. Yes. What I will tell you is I'm going to be the person who decides what my future looks like. Mm -hmm. Nobody else. They have helped. I have so many good doctors that have helped me. There's yeah. so many amazing doctors in this field trying to do the work right.
0: Mm-hmm. And I've
1: teamed up with, a, with an organization that I really, really love their protocols and techniques and all of that. They're called Better Cancer Outcomes. I'm one of their, um, they call me, I don't know. I'll be like, don't give me no title. I'm not gonna remember it. I'm like a patient advocate. But the women who come yeah. to me and say, what are you doing, right? Mm-hmm. I really am, uh, I don't have, I, I'm trying to manage my time better because healing naturally is a lot of work. And it takes a lot of time. And I'm a mom and I got to figure out income. And I got it's like all the ands. Right. Yeah. And I really want to create a space for women who are newly diagnosed, like the ones you just mentioned, who are terrified to be able to come and at least understand what else there is they can do. Because right mm-hmm. now, today, they can stop eating all that sugar and shitty food. Yeah. Pardon my pitch. But the food is shitty. It's a sad diet, standard American diet. that's sad for a reason because mm-hmm. it's going to keep you sick. And if you already have been told that there is illness development, I think illness of any kind developing in your body. You have to look at what you're putting in your mouth. What you're putting in your mouth is fueling your body. If your body is diseased, it's fueling your disease. Get yeah. real clear on that. And stop listening to people who say it doesn't matter because they are not educated. They do not know what they're talking about. Most doctors have only had two nutritional classes in their entire careers. They don't know. It's not that they're trying to lead you wrong. They don't know where to lead you. All they know how to do is what they do. And most of them are amazing at that. But let them do that yeah. job. You do the job of figuring out what else you need to do. Right. And stop letting them have complete control over what your future looks like. No one has control over that, but you and your God, whoever that is for you, I'm not going to call what it is for you. Yeah. Yeah. That for ourselves, but whatever higher power you believe in it's between you and that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of us, well, I feel like more people are starting to be more aware of what we're eating and drinking, even myself, you know, uh, even because, you know, when you hear about a friend or a family member or or someone, I know we haven't met in person before. I mean, we've met now because, you know, we're virtual friends now.
2: Yes, Uh,
0: (laughs) But it's like (laughs) hearing about your experience like it does when you when you hear about it affecting people that you really care about or that, you know, or that you admire. You Mm -hmm. really start to take a look at your own life like, okay, let me take a look at my own you know, food journey. Let's see what I'm really eating every day and try to make better choices because you never know what will happen tomorrow. Uh, not trying to put anything out there, but you just well, never know. And well, like you
1: said, it starts with the food. We kind of do know because what we know are the facts and the facts are that toxins accumulate in the body. We're all exposed to toxins every day. I mean, we do know some things, right? If I knew yeah. what I knew now, 15 years ago, I wouldn't be here because I would have started detoxing once or twice or three times a year. I would have started drinking different water. I would have stopped eating freaking four donuts a day and, and burgers and fries. I had such high levels of acrylamide in my body that he, my doctor in Arizona was almost able to say... Okay. Pinpoint. This is one thing that's holding your immune system down. What happens in your body when toxins accumulate is your body looks to those and tries to, it's trying to focus on the thing that's going to hurt it the most. It has an order of hierarchy of, of dealing with something, right? So when you have toxins flooding your body from the environment, there's not much you can do about that. You can get a home air filter. You can get a water filter on your house. Those things are expensive. We buy, you know, two and three and $400 shoes and $1,000 bags. Maybe we should stop saying we can't afford a house filters.
0: I'm just saying
1: we talk about financially fit, right. And financially free. So if you want to be financially free, pay for these things first and then use whatever money's left over to buy your Beniciago. I don't even know the name of it. (laughs) Beniciago. Beniciago? I probably Um, said
0: that wrong. I
1: don't (laughs) don't know. So the things that cost a lot. So I'm just saying that there are things we can predict. And we can predict that toxins will build up in your body. And if you're not getting them out, they can damage your DNA. We can predict that your body will heal when you give it what it needs to heal. You gotta figure out what that is for you because then the allergies and the this and the what what, what works for your body is what you have to discover. But there there are actual facts. We know that stress causes malfunctions in DNA and that those malfunctions, if undealt with can lead to cancer. So we know that if you have a 10 year run ahead of something, you're better off than if you wait for it to develop. We know that. We know prevention is the cure. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we all can start being better preventers. Everybody listening to us right now can be a better preventer. Yeah. I have high acrylamide amounts from guess what? French fries and potato chips, my staple foods 20 years ago. No, me too. Why? Because potatoes and the high heat that they're exposed to by frying, that chemical reaction creates acrylamide. It's mm-hmm. a it's a cancerous. Chemical, like we know certain things, we have to stop pretending we don't know them.
0: You're right, (laughs) that is so true. Basically, information is how we can use it, right? Because it's out there. Like, I remember you mentioned, um, you know, you used to smoke, Mm -hmm. and um, but then I remember watching this documentary, like, What the Health, like years ago, and I think that was the (laughs) one that had like, um, it was a brain and it was one that was either addicted to cocaine and heroin sugar. yeah and then another one with sugar and caffeine yep. and I was just like oh my gosh and then like the next day I went to the grocery store and I was trying to find this is just something simple I was trying to find crackers that didn't mm. have sugar in it couldn't do it I said oh my gosh and I started looking at uh, sauces condiments. Mm-hmm. couldn't do it I couldn't find any that didn't have sugar I was like what nope It was, it was just like, that was like a test of looking at, I was starting to look at labels more of what's actually in foods. And I was just like,
1: sugar and salt, (laughs) it's, it's, it's in everything. Salt is your friend, as long as it's not table salt. As long as it's oh, yeah. like sea salt or Himalayan pink salt, it can be your gotcha. friend. Still too much is bad for you, but that's with anything, right? We yeah. need those minerals and stuff that the salt provides us man, since a, people, since the beginning of time had have, have needed that and, and used to trade and war over it. Salt is important. The sugar is the problem. And it's not just, I mean, high fructose corn syrup is a super problem, but all sugar is a problem that's created and anything they make from corn, soy, uh, corn, soy, and wait, mainly corn and soy, like canola oil. Mm-hmm. I was shocked when I walked into the Whole Foods hot bar that I've been feeding my child from for years <laughs> off and on. And yeah. there's so much canola oil in that food. It canola can- oil is like the, to me, I'm just going to say this, my opinion, Pardon right. me, because I love Whole Foods, but they need to change this. Yeah, canola oil is the single most toxic food you could eat, in my opinion. Because of all the damage it does to your brain, to your nervous system, to your body. And because it's so pervasive in all the foods, they do these studies and they say, oh, well, this much of it is only going to cause this. So when we think of studies and they say, oh, a triple blind study makes it right. The study game is a racket, too. So yeah, yeah. I trust those with a grain of salt. But right. You know, they they're only doing they doing these studies and say, oh, okay, if you have a tablespoonful of canola oil every day, here are the effects. And those aren't that bad. You can. And so the FDA approves. And so, oh, yeah, that's not that bad. Plus, they get paid. That's a whole nother conversation. Right, but right. that's not that bad. OK, but you're not eating a tablespoon. It's in everything you're eating. You're eating about a cup of it a day. When I used to make cakes for my son because I thought I was doing a healthy thing, but not buying them at the store. It called for a cup of canola oil and I poured that sucker in there like, yeah, because I had <laughs> no idea. Right. right. But once you know better, you have to do better. Yes. And now that I know, I don't let it touch my lips. I don't let it touch my, well, I can't control what he does when he's not here, but when yeah. he's in care, canola oil and all the vegetable oils yeah, are byproducts. Listen, girl, we could go this. I know it could be a whole episode. Just sure, on the, oh my God. Right. And it's just, but, <laughs> but again, the, the bottom line yeah. is that it's your mouth Right. You're putting what you put in in it. So I look at labels and if I can't pronounce it, I'm I'm like back on the shelf because if I don't even know what it is, my body's not going to know what it is either. And what it's going to do with something, it doesn't know what it is, is either it's going to try to encapsulate it. It's going to store it in our fat. Fat is storage for toxins. So a lot of times people lose weight, they get sick and they don't understand why, because you're releasing a bunch of toxins into your body. So I was okay. recommending when people go on diets and are trying to lose weight up your water by like, you should be drinking about two liters of water a day anyhow, but mm-hmm. you need to up it when you're detoxing or when you're losing weight, because those toxins in your fat are getting released and they will make you sick. Cause that's what they do. That's why your body stores them. Cause it's yeah. like, this is gonna make me sick. Your body's smarter than you. Right? right. So, um, but the other thing to really keep in mind is that there is power in food and food is medicine. So yeah. if you, if you don't know what it is, you shouldn't be eating it. And if it comes off a tree, it's probably okay for you. <laughs> I think we're putting it for, You know what canola oil does? It wraps, it, it acts like a plastic because it's basically liquid plastic. It wraps like a plastic around your cells. It's like wrapping your cells in cellophane and they can't breathe god. Oh my oh, my your goodness. cells need oxygen. They need to be permeated by the nutrition. So you can't get nutrition into your cells. You can't get oxygen to your cells. And your cells start to die off faster than they're supposed to. Cells are supposed to die. Remember what I said? Cancer cells don't die. Cells are supposed yeah. to die. Rogue yeah, yeah. one go. I ain't gonna do that. What you gonna do, right? And so, and then they do other things too. But that's one of the b- main hallmarks of a cancer cell. But when you're eating mm-hmm. certain things, those things are the raw materials your body's using.
2: So what's going
1: to happen if you're, would you go eat a a Lego? No, because (laughs) it's in a form that your brain recognizes as not food. We need to start recognizing these things as not food and stop Mm. eating them as if they are. Or just stop expecting different results. You'll be sick in 10 years because that's what it does. Ooh, like I've never bought
0: canola oil, but I've heard some things like that. And I'm like, I'm probably, I'm pretty sure I went somewhere
1: and ate food and it was canola oil. Yeah, because it's in chips. It's in, it's in everything most people fry with it now you go to higher end places they'll fry in like avocado oil or but they're going to charge you for that there are very few oils that are safe to cook in and so if you're deep frying and like i mean lard is actually safe to cook in because it's an animal product and so it's natural right yes. but vegans and the whole veganism push has a- adopted a lot of um, alternatives to the natural things which I get it you don't want to eat animals that's fine I, I have been a vegetarian and a vegan at various times of my life I understand the philosophy but is it healthy yeah. is the question for me and the answer is most of the alternatives they've created it's not healthy it's not healthy to have sunflower oil butter like <laughs> you shouldn't <laughs> be eating that much sunflower oil and it shouldn't be melted because it's overly processed in processing yeah. it. So mm-hmm. you know, girl, I could I go. On. My, Even to hear more about health, though. Right, right.
0: But it's <laughs> good that you know you're sharing this, so people out there that's listening can take some time to do some research and uh, just and your, you know so. habits one at a time. So the health habits and the financial habits. So that's right. what takes me to asking you, Ananda, like. And this is why, you know, so what I do, I I mix yoga and finance and mix them together because I really believe in Uh not just financial education, but physical, mental health wise. Uh You got to address it all. Right. Not that you have to have this perfect life, but you have to be making some progress in all the areas. So I want to know when it comes to financial freedom, what does that look like for you when you're thinking financial freedom, health freedom, what does that look like
1: to you? It looks like being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, without asking permission mm. from anybody. Yeah. That's what really, that's really what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, I'm still creating that. I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad you said that still creating it, uh, because people will think, Oh, it's financially free with Cleo. I've arrived. I am still on a journey. Okay, right. <laughs> I am still- saying we
1: are financially free. We're saying the goal is
0: financial. Yeah, free. like I've reached journey. financial freedom goals, but there's still more that I want to reach. And I'm also content with where I am, but I'm also yes. striving for more. So it's like it's gonna be a evolving journey, is what I like to tell people. Is that you can, and then it's like as you get older, you're interests change your goals change so you're gonna always be evolving and that's okay so I like that you said when you are thinking about financial freedom being able to do whatever you want without having permission like that is like one of the ways to live life is just being free and not feeling like you have to answer to other folk no, <laughs> Whoever the
1: other may be right right so I all the squeakiness in my chair i hear it now and i think you've heard it oh, I, okay like, i hadn't really heard a thing girl and my hair is finally dry now we've been on we must have been on for an hour because i hour, know i was like yeah, yeah i know both of us <laughs> we're like okay <laughs> <up it. laughs> So I have so
0: last year I have financial affirmation cards and I do this for everyone okay. so what I do is I just pull a random financial affirmation card I recite it and I just want you to tell me how it relates to your life
1: okay all right do I okay do I love them I love to barge as my, my Ooh, I love that shirt yeah, it's my people I think I'm yes
0: all right. So your financial affirmation is, I invest
1: time and money into the lifestyle I desire. Oh, yes, I do. I invest time and money into the lifestyle I desire. What does that mean to me? That means I put my money where my desires are, not just where my mouth is, but where my desires want my mouth to be in the future. Um, right now, I put most of my money into my health. Uh, healing naturally is very expensive. No insurance covers most of what I do. Um, uh, what they do cover is what made me super sick over the last three days. So I'm like, I guess I'm gonna figure it out because I ain't doing that. (laughs) But, um, it has been three years of a lot of bills. (laughs) bills. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, I'd like, to, I, I know affirmations are, are helping you make it the case in the future. So I would definitely like in the future to be able to put my money where my desires are right now. My money is where my health is. Um, so interesting health and finances mirror each other, in my opinion, because they both take time to build. Um, to to get really healthy at them. When you start eating healthy, your body's not going to just shift and turn around the next day. It takes like almost a full year, but in that year, you will rebuild your entire body. All of your organs renew themselves. Your bones even rebuild your everything rebuilds, right? Your financial health may take a while too. You're not going to start saving. you got a thousand dollars tomorrow, but you're going to go little by little by little. And if you have the discipline to stick with it, you will see the results in the end.
0: Yes, that is so true. And I'm glad you said that because people need to be reminded of that, is that this is not an overnight thing.
1: <laughs> no. I mean, unless you know how to play the stocks and the finance and the, and the um, right. what is that? The Bitcoins and stuff. If you could do that good, maybe, but right. still.
0: <laughs> and it's okay if it takes long, you don't have to be in a rush. I think with right. the way things are today, everything is so fast. Like you don't have to accomplish all these
1: goals Tomorrow. Right. Hey, it doesn't happen like that. No. It just that's doesn't. not real. That's not real. You know what? Like, we can make it all make sense. Like, with this cancer journey, I didn't expect this tumor to just be gone. I knew that if I wasn't going to do the surgery, I was going to live with the tumor, right? I'm going to live yeah. with it. It's going to become my friend. We're going to manage things together, but I'm going to scale her down. And that's what I'm doing. It's like this, this slow. Yeah. If you choose to go this way, it's a slower. Mm-hmm. method, like m- methodical shaving down of things. And you have to be willing to stay the course mm-hmm. and watch it go away. Cause it's not, yes. it's like a, this massive tanker. You don't flip those things around. You turn them slow.
0: Yes. Ooh. Ooh, that is so good. I think this conversation has blessed me more than, you know, <laughs> Because, yes. Thank you. Because it's refreshing to have conversations, you know, not just, you know, even though my show is financially free with Cleo, I talk about money, but all the other areas yeah. in our life that money affects, you know, money impacts Anything. all the areas. Yes. <laughs> yes. And all these other areas impacts the way we deal with money so yeah. i just like having these conversations about it so I'm, i appreciate you for being so real keeping it real with us and i don't know how else to be something. <laughs> right yes we need more people like you <laughs> okay so Should i, I want world more i thought everybody was like me. <laughs> i know right <laughs> sometimes it's hard to find people that can keep it real but <laughs> the people who do, to work. need it in this in this world that's the type yeah. of people that i love and that we need because i feel like it helps us become better people yeah. and you can enjoy life better when you can be yourself and you just able to breathe like you ain't got a front don't yes to- don't have to be <laughs> naked. <farting, bacon, laughs> like that's too much energy <laughs> to be doing all
1: that anyway <laughs> you know what the downside of all this social media is that the people feel like they have to always be this perfect the good light the right angle have the the right clothes and the right car and I'm, I'd be like uh I'm in my truck and my truck got a scrape in the roof And what am I gonna do fix my roof to talk to y'all no I'm not because exactly. I, didn't, I didn't want to how about that because I don't care if it's scraped. that hole in my roof is from hauling lumber and it is this yeah. corner of a piece of of a two by four and so I'm proud of that dent yes this is like this little not see it yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, it'd be nice if people were more real, but people have to really love themselves to be comfortable yeah. with being that real. And other people have to be accepting of people being themselves. Mm. And so it's a really, it's a, it's a you know, symbiotic relationship.
0: <laughs> yes. <we laughs> have with right. your <laughs> yes, it is. But we I want to thank you again so much for joining me, but I want to know how can I, how can we, how can all of us, connect with you and support anything that you may be working on or just how can we just stay connected with you girl
1: um you know I'm slow on the so I mean I have social media but I really still focus on my actual life more than my virtual life Um, and that's the balance that works for me so I my Instagram is I'm Ananda Lewis just I am Ananda Lewis and, um, I love Instagram because it's super easy to interact with people and you can put, I, I understand it better than I understand Facebook. So I'm not on there much. So I don't even know what my Facebook address is. Cause I got hacked when I was pregnant and then they changed the address on me and I, it's not my name anymore. I don't know what it is, but, um, right. Instagram is really where I love. And so that's where you can find me. I'm in Lewis, and I, I do have a bunch of kind of health videos on there. I plan on doing more, I just, you know, my health is my priority. So when I don't have time yes. for it, I don't force myself. And so every now and then I put posts up, but I do have a line of merch coming out um, in the next month. And I think it's something that anybody who, you know, loves that golden era of TV that the nineties was, y'all gonna like it. I hope Yes, um, I can't wait. I have some really fun sayings and stuff too. And it's one of the ways that I support my, um, very expensive healing journey. So, I mean, that's one way to support. I don't know when I'll be done with all that. It's a slow process like everything else, but um, yeah, that's, I'm simple. I just have Instagram I'm I'm I am on Twitter but I don't really use Twitter that much I just have a Twitter so I can be nosy and see what other people are saying but I use Instagram a, a, a lot more so that's what you, you
0: know can- what we are like in that way because I do have Twitter as well but I don't be on there like that but I'll be on there Yeah, <laughs> but I'll, be, I'll be on there but I'll be on there. right <laughs> and I am on Instagram more and it's like and it's a lot to just keep up with all these hey. you know, It's a lot And as the older I get, I do struggle with um, being present on social media, meaning like all the time, because sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I don't feel like posting anything. And
1: I don't don't know what to post. Like, I see people like, is there a posting mandate? Because (laughs) I see people posting stuff. I'm like, why would you, you just, do people have to post something every day? It's like a mandate. It's like, sometimes you can get caught up.
0: In it, you can get caught up in being present all the time, going live all the time, and oh, you know, God. nothing against the people that do. But sometimes, if you're not just like you said, you value your time at, off of social media yeah. more, so it's like it can you can get caught up to feeling like you have to do that all the time, even when you're overwhelmed, yeah. even when you're sick, don't That's feel good, you feel
1: stress and peer pressure, girl. I'm not down for that,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely pressure, especially if. If you are, you know, like the influencer or you have a business, like you feel like if you take a break or even take a day off or a week off that you miss something, I'm not missing nothing.
1: Do you know I post like maybe once a month? i must. people must think I'm like crazy. <laughs> I post when I actually have something to say. That's the only right. time I post. And I'll put stuff in stories that's like a little less important, but right. an actual right. post, I, I, maybe I need to step it up. <laughs> Step step up your social media game. (laughs) Step up my social media game. I didn't realize people were like literally on it all the time like that.
0: Yeah, and before I mean I've been on social media for a long time, but it's different when you're on social media because you're business wise. You know, when you just got a page, you know, it's different. Right, personally, but when you're trying to grow something, build something, promote things, and connect with other people, networking, all of that stuff, it can—it's like twenty jobs. <laughs>
1: when I put this merch out. I'm gonna—I'm gonna be more like that. I'm gonna be like, wait a minute, I need to tell them about my shirts again. Wait a minute, I need to tell them about my. Hold up, let me do another. Oh, girl, you're gonna be sick of me, girl. In
0: another month, I'm gonna be like, wait. girl, what's going on with this? So uh, this merch, girl, I'm ready to post it and say, look what I bought. I got this, one. you know. oh my goodness but I'm looking forward to that so I know of course it takes time but when it's ready I'm definitely ready. ready for it but I definitely want you to you know keep being you we appreciate you all the work that you've done in the past and what you're doing in the present and what you're going to be doing in the future too. So I'm looking forward to it and I know we all are. And before we head on out of here, what are some
1: last few words that you would like to share for us? I think it's really important for people to remember that they're connected to something bigger than themselves and that it is powerful and accessible at any moment. And that here on earth, you are the captain of your own ship. You're the master of your life. I hate this word master, but you know, you know what I meant. <laughs> right. You're in charge. So don't let anybody usurp your power. If you're uncomfortable, leave. If you're not ready, don't do it. If you got questions, stay still until they're answered. And don't let the pressure that threatens you actually reach you. That's a choice. Ooh, that's
0: good. Thank you so much. Ooh. Ooh, that's going to be in my head for the rest of this week and beyond. <laughs> Thank you
1: so Listen, much. Listen, I'm always preaching to the choir. I still need all that advice too. Yes,
0: yes, we Buy do. it and it works. Thank you for having us. Yes.
1: Oh, yes.
0: And everyone out there listening, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Thank you so much, Ananda, for being here. And if you enjoyed this episode and learned anything from it, share with a friend, a family member, whoever you feel could use this information, use these messages that were shared in this episode, and like and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or whatever you like to listen or watch podcasts. And I'll see you next week for another episode of Financially... Free with Cleo, and you have a good week.
2: Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You can be financially free with Cleo.